and welcome back to another episode of the Financial Success Show. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Eady, and uh, joining me is my right-hand man, my confidant, my all-too-often plaid-wearing friend, Kirk Forsyth. Mr. Forsyth, how are you doing today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank my you. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to do it just for Fabian. Fabian's been bugging me to do it. Just a uh, question. Are we doing product placement with the uh, no, no, not-so-smart no, water? No, no, no. <laughs> it's just a bottle. <laughs> so, geez, uh, what do we got going on today? Well, first and foremost, uh, we just went through Christmas for those of you who celebrate yeah. us. So Merry Christmas and uh, uh, Happy Boxing Day. I don't know what people celebrate on Boxing Day, but what the heck, why not? Happy Boxing Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they've been watching our show long enough, hopefully they don't have hey, any of that. There you go. Um, but we're also coming off of a very strange week in the markets. I don't know if you saw last week's show. Our CEO, Craig Dunkley, was on yeah. here talking about uh, possible bear markets. And, well, they are getting they into are, bear territory. Yeah. So uh, today when we decided to do things a little bit different, uh, being the week between Christmas and New Year's, it was a little challenging to get a guest on, so we figured let's talk to the millennials, and uh, I've certainly heard from a a few people uh, that Kirk doesn't get to talk very much on the show. That is not done on purpose, but... But it might be beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, so, I learn every week on this show. So no, hey, quiet. it's a great opportunity yeah. to learn. There's lots of stuff that comes through, and we have a little bit of fun with one another. Oh, we but, always uh, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, definitely want to talk about a few things that uh, are going on in the market. Understanding what millennials know about uh, the market and. Really, we've we've discovered internet marketing being what it is, that our market is not who we originally thought it was. Yes, we do have a sector that uh, falls directly into that ideal client territory mm-hmm. that we've, we've focused on for so long, but we've also discovered that we have quite a, a large growing millennial, uh, millennial men audience that we never really concentrated on before. So you being in that category, I yep. think it was a good opportunity for us to reach out and connect with the people who are watching us nice. in that category. Well, let's do it. So um, Kirky, you know, since I'm the one asking all the questions, yeah. you don't have any lined up. What do you up, have prepared there, Jeff? Really got to step up my game. Well, I have a note that says New Year's, uh, one that says <laughs> FSS, and one that says meet up on the 8th. Uh, so not so that, easy doing Craig's job, is it? Craig's job or Kirk's? Kirk's job. You Kirk. said Craig's. No, I said Kirk's. Uh, Fabian? Craig. Yeah, he said uh, Craig. <laughs> we can go to the tape no. if you want. It is live. Uh, but we'll hey, go. Hey, hey. No, no, no. <laughs> I said Kirk, but okay. So let's jump right into it, Kirk. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to work here at, uh, at Blackthorn? Sure. What you did before this. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, what, what really drives you and, and keeps you motivated? Okay. Oh, well, let's see. Where do I start? Um, at the beginning is usually a good place to start. Yeah, funny. There you go. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't really have a big financial background at all. I didn't go to school for any of this stuff or anything. I uh, I was actually a college dropout. What, I, what did you go to school for? I went to school for fitness and health, and I grew up a child athlete. I was playing hockey and soccer, and um, I wanted to get into that industry, and fitness was always a passion <clears> of mine. Absolutely loved it. 
Um, and then I got, I just, I dropped out of school because I wanted to start making money. I realized that I can do what I loved without going through all the schooling. I could just go out and get certified. So that's what I did. That doesn't sound familiar at all. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I did. And I got out and I loved what I did. Um, but I quickly realized that there wasn't a huge market for uh, athletic training. Uh, especially here in Canada, you have to go down into the States to do that. And that's costing you a whole lot of money, which I did not have. I had student debt that I need to uh, pay off. So I left. I actually had two clients of mine that told me, hey, get into sales, get into sales. You're a people person. You love to talk. You just love to be around people and you truly care for your clients. So I thought, okay. And then my father finally said it. And he was like, dude, like go into sales. You have a personality for it. You just love being around people and talking. So all right. So I listened to both of them and ended up in the automotive industry, believe it or not. And wait, I, wait, can we take a step back there? You, the first sales job you had was not selling cars, right? It was first sales job I ever had was uh, in high school. I worked retail. Ooh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I worked retail for. I was a skater boy, hence all the plaid. <laughs> I can't help but hear Avril Lavigne in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, that was actually my first sales job was retail when I was in high school. I think it was in grade 10, grade 11. Nice. And what did you go into after that? After that? Because um... though retail is sales, it is the lowest no, yeah, form no. of sales I guess... because the client's coming to you. You don't have yeah, to seek exactly. out the client. Not that it's not, – not to diminish the, the profession. No, no. But it's it's not the higher you, – you don't get paid what you get paid no. in – in, in, in higher forms of sales because you have to seek out the exactly. client in higher forms. Um, I guess my first real, real sales job would have been personal training. Um, being a personal trainer and an athletic trader, you have to sell yourself. You have to make your clients believe that you can do what you promise to do. And you, you like, I remember walking around the gym floor and pulling people off treadmills and be like, hey, let me do a quick demonstration for you and this and this and this, and this is my knowledge and this is what I can do for you. I need $10,000 right now. <laughs> and they were like, uh, yeah, okay, no. I'll get back to my Yeah, I'll get back. But you know much. what? I, I did okay my first three months there. I was selling quite a bit. But um, I guess that was my first real sales job from that point on. And I cared more for my clients than I guess I did for the actual physical aspect of personal training. And I realized there was no market for it, and I got out of it. And I just tried to get my foot in the door anywhere I could. I was going to go into insurance but uh, the automotive industry just kind of fell in my lap and I got my first sales job at Toyota. Worked there and I left Toyota and I worked at Honda for a bit and that's, I guess, where I started sales. So if anybody's been watching the show for a little bit, you might understand that Kirk likes cars just just a little bit. Just a little bit. A little bit more, a little more. Yeah, no, I love cars. I do. And uh, that's where I started. But uh, I wanted a little bit more flexibility in my job and I knew there was something else out there instead not just what I was doing and I knew I had a bigger purpose and I came to a group interview here and I met you and I became junior. <laughs> uh, can you talk a little bit about the group interview process because we uh, we de we definitely hold them about once a month and it is very interesting to see people's reactions. It what is your really first? really interesting so my first impression I came here for the group interview I didn't know it was a group interview. I just thought it was an interview. So I came here and Tammy up at the front was like, all right, yeah, follow me to the back. I figured I was going to an office. Nope, she takes me into a boardroom and there's like 30 other people in there. I was like, true, all right. 
So I sit down and I'm looking around and I'm like, all right, what's going on? And then Hashem and Irfan came walking in and you were in the back and uh, I was like, all right. And they said, it's group interview, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if you don't want to stay, get up and go. Um, but, you know, this is what it is and this is how we're going to proceed. So I thought, all right, well, I'm here. I drove all the way in from Burlington. Might as well stick it out, see what goes on. And Hashem said something very important. Hashem said, you know, if you don't speak, we will not take a second look at you. So I thought, all right, well, I have no problem speaking, so I'll speak. But I didn't realize that it was an all accounting interview. Everybody there was for bookkeeping and I'm a sales guy. So Hashem was asking more bookkeeping questions. And me being a sales guy, I had no idea what the right answers were, but I just stuck my hand up and I answered them as best as I could. And I related them back to sales and back to myself. And about halfway through that, I uh, said, okay, you know what? I'm here for sales. Here's my card, but I have other appointments I had to get to. And I did. I had sales appointments I had to go to. And uh, that was it. That was it. So I did exactly what Hashem said. And it was quite an experience. I had never been in a group interview before that time. So obviously you made it through the interview process. And I did. You're now our client relations manager. Let me ask you. What was it that that made you want to work here about where you were working? And what do you really value in a job as a millennial? As a millennial, I value flexible hours, weekends. And I like, you know, as long as you get your hours in, right, that's all that matters. Like 40 hours a week, whether you do them from noon until 10 o'clock at night or early in the morning till 4, like you can just get those hours in when you can instead of working a regular 9 to 5, 9 to 5, 9 to 5. And weekends, but what I value as a millennial, I value kind of like a father figure and a mentor. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, that's what. No, that's kind of what we crave, right? We want to be taught. We want as a millennial, we want to be taught. You know, our job, right? We don't want to be pushed to the side. Like we want to feel valued in a company, and that's what draw me in or drew me in, I should say. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you on that point right there because that is that is actually. A huge point of distinction mm-hmm. um you know me being at the tail end of the gen xers um myself and anybody that came before me always thought that if the boss doesn't talk to you that's a good thing yeah no and that's not the way we think at all if the boss doesn't talk to you you're like oh no like am i in trouble like, did i do something wrong like why is he speaking to me does he not like me right that's a pretty funny distinction yeah it is you know and uh freddie bosses that are, are a little longer in the tooth it's a really good thing to note that if you got people that are you know 35 and under 38 and under even that mm-hmm. just even a, a word of hey how you doing good job goes a long way with millennials oh it does it goes a huge way yeah you don't need 10 minutes of their time you need five or ten seconds just to say hey what's up and, mm-hmm. and let you know they're, mm-hmm. they're and that, that's of kind of a problem as well too in like the corporate structure right us millennials getting into the corporate world that's kind of what we crave and when we don't feel that we're like all right i'm out of here right i'm mm-hmm. on to the next one right and i feel like that's why there's so much turnover right and um with millennials these days just because we're not getting it so we think okay on to the next on to the next and we don't see a future because we don't feel like we are appreciated or getting that future well tell me if i'm wrong at the same time millennials don't value a job the way that say your parents did where no not at all where you would think okay if i got this job it's the only job i'm ever going to be able to get it's going to give me this and and uh you know i got to do my best for the next 40 years and and those things just don't exist anymore. It's no, like, they if this don't. isn't meeting my needs, I'll, I'll quit and go somewhere yeah. else because jobs That's, seem plentiful. They do. They do seem plentiful, and that is true to an extent. Uh, an issue, I guess I would say, is some millennials 
and I can say this because I am a millennial, we want to be the boss right away once we get in there. And we don't realize that we have to, you know, lay in the groundwork, right, and pay your dues. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we live in the era where we see the startup that uh, two guys started in their mother's garage and yeah. two years later they're billionaires. So yeah. it's, uh, it is it is quite a, a normal thing for people to mm-hmm. think that way nowadays. Unfortunately, the reason we hear about those stories is because they are anomalies and yep. they, they are remarkable, meaning they're, they're worth remarking about. But um, what has been your experience? I know that you've done a, a lot of learning this year. I remember your first adventure into our Financial Success Summit. Uh, oh, man. That was one of the most entertaining days of my life. I was like to watch a kid in a candy store <laughs> that day. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> what is this? What, uh, what has been your biggest eye-opener over the last year? I can't answer that because there's been so many, so many eye-openers. If I one can't were just to stand be one. Out. All right, give me your top five. How's that? Top five RSPs. What about them? Um, my opinion on them completely changed. Mm, how so? Um, Elaborate. It's a talk show. I know. Talk. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Funny guy. So the way we talk about um, RSPs here, um, I was always told <clears throat> this is how you do it, right? And it was kind of like the educational system. You go, you start off preschool, middle school, high school, college, jobs. It's kind of the same with banking, right? That's the way I was taught and thought, you know, when you're young, you have a checking account, then you move up into a savings account, and then, you know, you get a student line credit, and then from there you make a little bit of money, you go into RRSPs, and so on and so forth. So I always thought, hey, RRSPs, that's a great thing, and that's I didn't know why. I just thought it was something I had to do because, you know, my cousins were doing it, my friends were doing it, my parents did it, and they told me to do it. My uh, The person I was seeing, advisor, was telling me to do it, so I just thought, well, I guess this is just the other process I have to go through. And... Um, that was huge once I learned uh, the backstory of the RSP and why it might not be the best option. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's number two? You know what? For just a second, I'm gonna I'm gonna stall us here. I just got a, a phone call and was wondering when my pocket was ringing at three o'clock on a Thursday. Oh, yeah? Guess who it was? Uh, Anthony. Samantha. Samantha. <laughs> what you want? Sam, why are you calling me at three o'clock on a Thursday? Yeah, you know better, you know Sam. Better. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that out there. <laughs> Another millennial. <laughs> uh, That's really funny. <laughs> it feels like a Monday, though. She's she's gonna hate that I mentioned her on air, but I love it. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, what was number two? You so you started RRSPs. Yeah, RRSPs was one, and. Um, mortgages as well too, right? And real estate was another one because I was always taught buy a house, pay off your mortgage, live in the house, and that was it. I didn't realize that die you could in the do house. Die, <laughs> yeah, like I didn't realize you could do so much more with the house. Yeah. Right? And how valuable that is. So you're uh, talking about the equity within yeah, it, exactly. accessing that to invest. Yeah, separating kind of the equity or the bricks and mortar from the money. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh you utilizing that money into something else and making money off of your property. And I learned that through you guys, but I was also reading Rich Dad Poor Dad at the time as well, too. And that's mm-hmm. where that's I funny. heard it as well. So yeah. when I read it in the book and then I heard you guys speak, I was like, okay, that's got to be true. Well, I mean, it's an important distinction to understand the difference between bricks and mortar and equity. Yeah. Um, people really, you know, I find that that's a huge eye opener. And I get a lot of resistance from people who are a little older mm-hmm. because they just want to pay off their house. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to live debt free. I don't want to have to have mortgage payments. What they're not understanding, and 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 it's not a wrong way of thinking. It's just right now, this is what's available. Well, yeah, and I feel like we've always 
thought the same way for years and years and years and now that some of us are thinking a little bit differently and mm -hmm. things are changing that it's kind of a bit of a confusing time well with low interest rates being what they are if you can borrow low and, and lend high um, mm -hmm. why why wouldn't you it's free oh, yeah. money yeah i always love one of, my, <laughs> one of my favorite questions around something like that is though if i'm making more money do i have to pay tax on it oh, excuse me yes really <laughs> did you just do that I did. on air? I'm sorry. Hey, it's not, it's not Euro. <laughs> not taking you for Greek food ever again. Hey, it was good uh, food. <laughs> it was good food. <laughs> now I've lost some thanks. Thanks. Um, no, I mean, it, oh, I knew this was a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> I'm having a blast. <laughs> Um, you weren't around in the late 80s, and, nope. and I barely was. But uh, I do remember a time when, when we were looking at mortgages of 18, 19, 20%. Um, today, with our, our lending rate still you know, typically below 4%, we still have the ability to borrow that money and lend it out at a higher rate and make that money. But it always kills me, the mentality of if I'm making extra money, do I have to pay tax on that? Yes. If you make extra money, you got to pay tax on of that. Of course you do. But it's extra money. Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, usually, uh, in the past, I would just stop the conversation there. Mm -hmm. In my old age, I'm getting more patience and more understanding, and I want to help people understand that. But the mentality of I don't want to make more money because I don't want to pay more tax, i got to say – not one of my favorite things no <laughs> but i feel like that's right up a millennials alley making more money um on other people's money right because at the same time it's making us more money and we don't have to do anything for it really right? well like, we just true. let it sit there right so it's another stream of income where we don't really have to worry about no it's true right People and that's something it. that we love to do right if that frees up more time for us to do whatever else we want to do so yeah if you can borrow at four percent and you got to pay tax and you're lending it out at say eight percent that's a heck of a deal. Yeah, you just let it sit and... 4% free money. Yeah. <laughs> Sign me up. All right, so that's two of the things that's that, uh, the things. that you've and learned since you're here. The third thing is something that Craig and you are recently teaching me. It's uh, index funds. And me, Craig, Samantha, and yourself, we sat down the other day. Craig more so than me. I'm more the real estate guy. You are more the real estate guy, but, I mean, you were there. Um, Craig sat down with myself. Ooh, about three times now kind of explained the system and how we do it and it's really really interesting and that's something i'm kind of really intrigued right yeah, now and, and uh cool. after last week's uh session here with craig on the show going over the charts and everything that kind of was like oh no huge eye-opener for myself that makes me want to check the dow right now i actually checked before <laughs> we got on and we were down again <clears throat> yeah it's it's not good uh, it has rallied a little bit by the looks of things. We're only minus 278 when we were minus right. four something we're a few at, minutes ago. Yeah, it was 437. I can understand why not watching the market consistently is a good idea because yeah. it would drive you nuts if yep. you were investing actively like that and trying to trade in and out all, mm -hmm. the, all day long. But thankfully, I am not investing in index <laughs> funds. I, I have a couple of small stocks, but nothing major. I'm more of a real estate guy personally, just yep. because, you know, when you when you look at uh, uh, investing in the stock market, there is a possibility of those companies folding and going to zero. Yeah. Which uh, rarely, if ever, has happened mm -hmm. in the real estate market. You've always got that, that solid land backing it, right? Exactly. All right. So that's three things. That's three. I'll stick with those three. 
Oh, okay. So yeah. you're going top three, not top. I'm going five. top three. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with the recent volatility in, in the index fund market and the stock market in general, learning about the Dow Jones and the PE Schiller index, yeah. what uh, what what kind of thoughts are you left with, and what are you looking at for a future uh, as you know somebody who's just getting into investing? Um, myself personally, I wouldn't touch it. Um, I think it's very interesting. It's very cool. It's something everybody should learn how to do and know how to do. But I personally would not be investing in that right now. Right now. Right now. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I like yourself. I like the real estate side because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little bit more secure. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it'll. It has a chance of going down, but you will always still have the land backing it. And I feel like that's a very safe investment for myself. And I feel like that's the road that I would take personally. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I feel like everybody should at least learn about index funds and, you know, learn how they work and know what you're reading when you look at it. Well, it's hugely important. I mean, education is um, – have you seen uh, uh, Life Below Zero? Yes, I have. Uh, I recently got into the show because I can watch it and it doesn't require any brain power as I'm falling asleep. <laughs> For some reason, I fall asleep like, like nothing tomorrow. That's like, like me and friends. I, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those shows I can put on and fall asleep to, and, it, and it's just great. But I did hear something that uh, Sue Aikens says on okay, there, yeah. and, and it was actually pretty prophetic. She said, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. And I am a firm believer in that. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time was uh, by Hunter S. Thompson, where he was writing a letter to uh, an ex-girlfriend of his. He was 28 years old, and he was talking about when he was 18. And the quote, uh, if I can remember it correctly, says... Um, I fear I may not be the man I used to be and thereby substitute dull reality and try to convince myself that my weakness is a sign of maturity. Mm. Now, what I read into that is uh, a lot of people become stale and stagnant in their education. And, you know, basically right after college or university, if they went that far, that's when they stop learning. And from that point, they convince themselves that these things that I know and this narrow comfort zone that I live in is everything to me but that's a sign of maturity that's where i live it's not uh it's not anything else and and one of the things that that we mandate here is education first yes and and obviously uh, uh, an example of that is someone like you who came in here and has been um awestruck more than once <laughs> yes many a times Last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, uh, for those who don't know, when Kirk first came aboard, I'm going to tell that Go story. for it. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, when Kirk first came aboard, um, I sat down and gave him a, a crash course in, in what we believe and what we preach here and our financial success evening. And when it was just, <laughs> when it was just Kirk and I, he actually said, you know, when you start to talk that way, you sound like a nut. Yeah. So I took Kirk to our first financial success evening. He sat through the entire evening with a number of guests. And at the end of the night, I asked him, Kirk, do you still think I'm a nut? What was your answer? Yes, but for different reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Still think you're a little loopy, but no. But in an insane way. But in an insane way. I remember that night very clearly. I went home to my parents and I just raved about what I learned for like, two hours and i have never been that excited even in school learning something like i just was on fire i was like you guys you gotta know this and this and this i just learned this and this and this and like oh my goodness this is crazy and my mom was like okay like calm down well it's 
you know, Jim Rohn says it best that traditional education will get you a living and self-education will get you a fortune. Well, yeah. And I mean, I was a college dropout. I never finished my college education. I just went right into the workforce and I just built up experience. And now look at me. I'm the client relations manager at uh, this amazing place. And I never thought I would be here in the financial world. Like I just, I thought, no, I'm not a school guy. I'm not a numbers guy. I'm a people person. I'll, you know, do this. I'll do this, but I will never be a numbers guy. And then I end up in finance. Well, I think one of the most important things to understand about that is, is numbers are people. Yeah. You know, if you think about, um, we have an accounting firm as, as a major part of what we do here and the taxes and bookkeeping and accounting, they're not just numbers on a page, much like the matrix. That is someone's life. That is well, their child. Yeah. That is their education. That is their debt. That is their food. That is their housing. That is their clothes. And understanding that those numbers mean more than just a number on a page is everything. Yeah. And I learned that lesson, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right? I mean, you know this, I won't talk about it on air, but like I called you, I had a little tear in my eye and I went, Jeff, I just found out why we do what we do. And it was, <laughs> it's not a number on a paycheck or a piece of paper or on a board. It is your house, your food, your lifestyle, you know, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And if we at Blackthorn can take those worries away from people and give them a, a you know, a chance to breathe again, like that's just huge. Yeah, that's right. Massive. And I realized that a couple of weeks ago. Well, one of the biggest challenges we have, especially working with mortgages, is that uh, a lot of times when people come in and, and get a mortgage and buy a house, the first time home buyers, especially, they fall into a trap. Mm -hmm. uh, and the trap is I get a house I can't afford. Uh, three to five years later, I refinance it. Got some consumer debt because I couldn't afford the house in the first place. But that's okay because the bank came along and said, hey, we'll take care of that debt and we'll put it in your mortgage and you, for you can forget about it three to five years later because they couldn't afford that mortgage they've got consumer debt again and guess what they do same thing exactly same 15 thing. We're creatures of habit 15 years later they go to check out the equity in the house and guess what they don't have any now what have they lost They're everything time time is the most important thing Which is they everything lost. it is you don't get time back that's everything that's it that's it right there it's the most valuable resource yeah. we, we possess so Sitting here as a millennial, learning all of these things, being exposed to different ways of thinking, being exposed to the numbers, being exposed to the lives behind the numbers, what advice would you give to millennials that are just getting started? Look for the education outside of the norm. You know, go mm -hmm. looking elsewhere. Don't, you know, just follow the traditional paths of what's laid out in front of you, what your parents did, what your grandparents did, you know all of that start looking elsewhere um it's really cool what you'll find out there and uh people might call you a nut but that's okay <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. no that's what i get educated but start <clears throat> looking for start looking for different forms of education favorite book to read mm, rich dad poor dad I would say um, every time, like I even have the audio version of that that I play in my car. And every time I listen to it, I, I learn something new. And just because that book is the book that kind of got me started on my new education. That's very cool. Yeah. Actually, uh, I ran into a young fellow at the bank the other day. I don't know. It couldn't have been more than 14 or 15, mm -hmm. but he had Rich Dad in it, sitting in the side pocket of his backpack. 
So I'm standing in line and said, holy cow, you're reading that? And he's like, yeah, yeah. My buddy actually got his little cousin who's 13 years old that book for Christmas. And I messaged him, wow, that was the best Christmas gift you probably could have ever given her. You know what? It's such a simple read. The concepts are a little bit ahead of where they're going to be at in their development. Mm -hmm. But you might as well get them started now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and it's one of the easier books to digest, and, and it's huge. They'll read it many times throughout their lives, you know. that's It's one of those books that the first time you read it, you're not going to get it. Second time, you'll get a little more. Third time, you get a little exactly. more until all of a sudden it's, you know, you're, you're actually living the lifestyle mm-hmm. that, that book kind of talks about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool to see that <laughs> little guy, uh, Luke, I believe was his name. He added me on LinkedIn. Oh, no way. Yeah, actually, I did the banking, and, and I, I finished my banking. I turned around, and he was waiting over by the door. He said, hey, can I ask you a question? So we talked for a few minutes. Very cool, very That's cool kid. cool. Yeah, you know what? And uh, I, I love when somebody actually you know stands out like that because uh, we're often too afraid to ask questions, uh, especially of the people who know what they're doing. Yeah. That's uh, that's the one that always kills me. I have a, a lot of really good friends who um, they know me for how they know me. They remember me, you know, being passed out on a bathroom floor when I was 18 in Montreal instead of understanding <laughs> that. Well, I mean, that's 22 years that's ago. That's true, yeah. We all had those moments as a teenager. And unfortunately, uh, even Jesus wasn't a prophet in his own hometown. Yeah. Um, no matter what. The fact of the matter is, in 22 years, I gained a little bit of knowledge, but my friends still don't see me that way, and I don't expect them to. But that's an important thing for millennials to understand, is that regardless of what your friends you know, know you as, you don't have to stay in that box. No. You can become more. You know, Jesus, once he got outside of Nazareth, that's when he became a prophet. Yep. In Nazareth, he was just still you know, Joseph's kid. <laughs> True. Valid. Yeah. You go to my hometown, I'm still Vicky's boy. You know yeah. what I, mean? I gotta go to your hometown with yeah. you then. We'd have fun. Just yeah. Just stay close. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I've driven maybe, through Dumbbell. I've never actually stayed. Maybe we'll go to Mudcap Festival this year. Oh, all right. There That'd we go. be fun. There we go. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's extremely important, especially um in your early twenties. Um your friends are still being dumb. Yep. You know, they're doing yep. the dumb things and making mistakes and having fun. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is it shouldn't dissuade you from stepping out and educating yourself and becoming more because that's the best time to start. Yeah. You know, you get a head start on everybody else. Um, we go through these cycles as we grow. And if you can get a head start on the cycles, you know, most people don't start that stuff until maybe they're in their mid-30s, if they start at all ever. And that's where I kind of lucked out. I started when I was uh, 20 years old, started working. Uh, I was working as a personal trainer while I was in school, but then I dropped out, and I've been working ever since. Whereas a couple guys my age, they're just graduating now, and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'll just go do this or this or this. And I was like, well, I started when I was a little bit younger than you, so I, that's, I lucked out. Yeah, you know what? Um, there is a lot of value in the road less traveled. There is. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> um, we aren't going to have the same job right out of school nowadays that we'll have when we retire. Yep. If we ever retire. You know, I remember thinking that when my, my dad worked for John Deere for 30-some years, and I remember sitting at his... Um, at his retirement party, I think it was, gosh, back in like 2004, something like that. And I remember sitting there seeing all of his friends, and they were actually my friend's parents sitting around. And I remember like these guys walked out of high school. If they finished high school to $35 an hour jobs with full benefits and pensions. That would be the dream right And there. I remember 
this will never happen again. No. That was the thought in my head. Two years later, John Deere pulled up all their manufacturing out of North America, moved it down to Mexico. And that was the last time I remember seeing any of my friends' parents in those types of jobs. And, I mean, it was devastating for my hometown. There was no industry around there. But understanding that, you know, the people that were my age and younger that were expecting that, they're never going to get it. It's just not available to them. Yeah, like I said, that's the dream right there, coming yeah. out of high school with all of that. Absolutely. And now it just doesn't exist. Nope. So those jobs are, are gone. So unfortunately for your generation, <laughs> um, they have to either settle for a job that pays them a heck of a lot less and has a lot less benefits. I mean, internships, co-ops, and contract jobs are the norm now. They are, but those things don't necessarily pay the bills. A lot of kids are coming out of school nowadays with 40, 60K worth of student debt. And they go into, you know, these corporate jobs or wherever their field of expertise is, what they graduated in, but there's no jobs, right? They're like, oh, well, we'll take you on as an unpaid, you know, intern or a co-op student or something like that because we want you to have the experience. It's like, yeah, okay, I understand I need a little bit of experience for this job too and what you're looking for, but I got to eat too, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like, what's really holding millennials back, right? is people aren't retiring when they're supposed to retire working until mm -hmm. the day they die mm. and places are asking for five years worth of experience so it's like okay so i'm 24 now just graduated you want another five years worth of experience for something that i'm qualified to do just with a little bit of teaching so by the time i'm what 30 years old i'll be in a job not even a career <laughs> It is a catch-22, and actually we heard that quite a bit in our last group interview. We did. So it's it's really interesting, and that is, you know... I have a theory towards that, too, right? It's people aren't retiring when they're supposed to be retiring, right? There's, um, for instance, um, I won't name any names, but there's a guy who's a CEO of a business, and there's somebody that's close to me that works underneath him, but he's at the point where he works, you know, three days a week, he goes in at noon hour, leaves at, you know, four or something like that. He collects a nice paycheck. So he always says to his employees, why will I ever retire? This is the sweetest gig ever. Mm -hmm. Like it keeps me busy. It's sort of like a hobby now. And I just delegate all my work, right? Where he should be retiring and somebody else younger should be filling that role and everybody else moving up the ladder, right? But people just well, aren't doing that and that's definitely a sign of the times I, I i come from the film industry before i i got into this and several years ago i, I started realizing in the film industry if you want the really good jobs in the film industry you got to wait for somebody to die yeah and and because nobody was retiring yeah, no you know i've seen old guys literally <laughs> sleeping on set <laughs> there's nothing like seeing a 75 year old guy sleeping on set and he just doesn't care anymore yeah, no <laughs> but he's still collecting a six-figure paycheck so why should he retire and and that is to me the number one reason why it's so important to seek out personal education exactly not traditional education companies like like blackthorn you know, we put out a ton of free information. Yeah, we do. And we're not the only company out there that does that. There's tons and tons and tons of free information there online to be had every single day. And some mm -hmm. of the stuff I've had to pay, you know, countless of dollars for, but because of piracy being what it is and YouTube and all that sharing, it's out there for free. It is. And you need to take advantage of it because it'll cut down that time massively. I mean, you can tell yourself how much you've accelerated oh, in yeah, a year yeah. in your knowledge because this job is education-based. Oh, yeah, it is. It was like going back to school the first week working here, and I was just so excited. 
and it's just carried over and over and this is the only job that i've been in where it's a continuous education every mm-hmm. day it's something new something new something subtle something big every day every week i'm learning something new and as a millennial i love that absolutely love it well i mean that's the most exciting time in our life if you think about it people get bored after 25 yeah um and if you're always learning you don't have the chance to get bored exactly uh that's be- that's just the way we're wired yeah uh, as human beings we always need to be growing um, people get complacent and bored and into their comfort zones, and that's where they'll stay yeah. unless something jolts them out of that. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's a major tragedy or a major financial upset that jolts them out of it. Yeah, and I was talking uh, with my girlfriend, Paige, and she was saying the exact same thing with millennials is, you know, they constantly want to be challenged in the workplace, right? They're looking for a challenge, mm-hmm. but they're overqualified for these low, low-end jobs that they're getting right out of school that they don't feel challenged. So they're just like, hey, like I've mastered this in three months. Like I'm just sitting here twiddling my thumbs. On to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Well, and that's why you took a, a, a road less traveled, but certainly one that has more opportunity, and exactly. that's sales. Yeah. You know, sales is one of those jobs that, yes, they want edu- or they want uh, previous experience, but getting experience in sales is very simple. It is. You know, you can go fail at a job for two years and say that you had two years of experience. <laughs> yeah. and like, okay, you're a sales guy. Sales guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many sales did you make? Zero. Doesn't matter. I'm a sales guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a foot in the door. And, and, and it's, um, it's really interesting because if you're going for, say, an engineering job, you, it's a lot harder to, to BS your way into an engineering job yep. than it is into a, a sales job or a customer service job mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, I mean, kudos to you for understanding that and taking a road less travel. Yeah, and I didn't quite understand at the time. I just knew that there was something else out there. Yep. I didn't know what it was, but I, just, I knew that I had to leave the system and find my own way. Well, and that's why entrepreneurialism is so rampant right now. That's why there's more millennials working in coffee shops than there are in office buildings. Yeah. You know, that's why uh, uh, WeWork has created such a massive business in such a short period of time is because people don't want to work under the same constraints they used to. They don't want to be told they have to do certain things. They don't want to come in at nine and leave at five. You know, I, uh, I have a few friends who have WeWork spaces and... Um, you know, aside from the free beer, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it offers them, you know, they can work at three in the morning and not have to not have to feel the constraints of working in an office. Yeah. And they don't have to be burning the midnight oil at home, which is, you know, one of the worst and loneliest places yeah, you can be yeah. working at three in the morning. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's really interesting to me to see how the market is adapting to the millennial mindset yep. and how it has to change. I was just at a, a, a institutional real estate conference and they were talking a lot about office shares and how that really fits into the grand scheme of institutional investing and how it's really changed the market to have these office share spaces and of course we work being the giant that has changed the entire industry like it's we have two maybe three we work buildings in toronto now uh yeah there's a couple other different uh spaces like that like one oh, that's called space bar there's right? tons that yeah like, like but we work is the giant it they, is the big one yeah it became a billion dollar company in like two and a half yeah. years yeah it's crazy yeah Absolutely that's insane crazy. now that i'm saying that we gotta have my friend nary back on the well on the show on we the show yeah she tried scheduling her a few yeah. months ago but she she's uh 
kind of getting up there at WeWork. So no, I'll put we'll that on to, my to-do list. Yeah, we'll have to invite her on the show. Neri, if you're watching, we'd love to have you on because uh, I, I love the concept of, of what WeWork has done. It's a really cool. cool company. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's you know, not only for entrepreneurs, but also for the way that they hire because they hire a lot of millennials. Mm-hmm. And uh, they understand they've really got their finger on the pulse of what's happening next as opposed to what used to be. Yep. And I love stuff like that. So, Kirky, we're getting to that magical time. It always oh, goes so fast. It, wow, it did go by fast today. Jeez. Yeah, well, when you're the interviewee, it, it makes a big difference. When you're just sitting there looking at questions that I already asked, it's a lot slower. Well, that's not my fault that <laughs> you cheat. You cheat, Jeff. I got to start hiding my questions before the show. That's why you're always standing behind me when you come so, in. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to see where that – never mind. Never mind. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, one thing I want to ask, though, uh, going into this Christmas season, New Year's, yeah. the fallout from the New Year's season, <laughs> how did you feel about that this year? Mm, you know what? I, I, I don't know. I was so distracted by other things that I just never really gave it a, a thought. So you didn't think about how much money you had to spend this year or how much gas and how much food? Uh, I mean, I did a little bit, but to me, the holidays meant it's more than just materialized things. Like, for instance, me and my brother don't really get each other gifts or anything like that. I did a lot of driving. Um, I'm sure I will look at my credit card statement (laughs) later on this week. But uh, it didn't really cross my mind. Um, It it did affect a lot of people, though. I know – that much um a couple of my friends you know like oh i spent this much money this much money and this and this and this and it's like okay that's great how are you gonna pay all that back um, mm. and uh so would you say nobody you, has an answer you went into it with a different mentality i went into it with a completely different mentality just because of where i work now okay um beforehand i <laughs> like last christmas spent everything in my checking account i didn't care spent mm. it all i was like yep spent it all it's christmas it's christmas this time around i was more cautious and I was like, okay, let's be a little bit more reasonable, Kirk. And uh, I had a little voice in the back of my head being like, well, do you really need to do this for this or this? Like, is there a cheaper way for this and this? I was looking around for deals and stuff like that. So, got and if you can apply it to your business, <laughs> exactly, which is one of the which is what I did too. Right before, um, <laughs> right before the holiday season, I met with Hashman Gurpreet and I did get HST registered and started my own small business and stuff like that. So that helped too <laughs> with the gas. Um, Yes, I do deserve a round of Fabian, applause please switch so you can see me clapping. <laughs> Pay attention. Thank you, Fabian, doing his job. You're getting some of this clap. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> I took uh, – I'm a sports guy, so I'll use this analogy. I took a play right out of Craig's playbook. Um, he tells a story about going to see his family over the holidays and, you know, saying, ready and off as a business trip, the gas and the mileage. So that's kind of what I did this time around. I had to drive it up to Whitby and back to Burlington. So how would you relate that drive. to your business? <clears throat> Um, I actually used our video last week and I started talking index funds and stuff like that with the family and RRSPs and my uh, girlfriend's father is a real estate agent. So we talked a little bit more about that. So you related it before the car moved. I did. You yes. got a car log? Pardon? You have a log in yes, your I car? Yes, I do. I do. Oh, I have a little boy. black book. You are paying attention. I am, right? I'm I like growing this. up. I like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a little back book. And, you know, I write down my mileage before and after. Got a boy. So I had this all planned out. Paige didn't know that beforehand, but I had it all planned out. No, hey, you know, you know what? This it, is what I got to do. It just makes sense. Um, some people think it's uh, perhaps, you know, a little meticulous. But the fact of the matter is we don't make as much as we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, things cost more than they used to. So we got to take advantages wherever we can. Yeah. 
And uh, I applaud you for doing that. Thank you. And living the Blackthorn system. I hey, mean, like I said, a couple weeks ago, I had my own little why and my, you know, yeah. the light went off my head. And I thought, all right, this has got to be a lifestyle now. It's not a job. Yeah, good. So Good. So, Kirky, yes, I'll see. give you the same chance we give to everybody else. Parting words, final wisdom, anything you'd like to share. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't eat Greek food before you go on a podcast. <laughs> Wow, maybe I shouldn't have given you that chance. Anything, <laughs> <laughs> anything that might be helpful. To oh, others. anything that, that might be helpful. Um, oh, self-education is the best education. Uh, and my little tip and trick that I tell networking groups whenever I go to network is audiobooks in the car. Mm. Um, it's the only time of the day where you can sit and have zero phone distractions or anything like that you just sit and you drive and you can really absorb a lot of information just by listening to audiobooks so audiobooks it's the way to go if you're looking to self-educate yeah i'm a huge huge fan of audiobooks uh cds if you still have a cd player uh spotify yeah. has a number of uh, uh that's where i've been going to getting all of mine yeah spotify. Uh, audible and spotify there's so many huge. podcasts on spotify uh, speaking of which, we are also on Spotify. So. Yes, we are. Thank you, Fabian. <laughs> Did something other than just trying to switch back and forth. There you go. Yeah. Switch the camera to the guy talking. Way to go, Fabian. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, we are um, on Spotify. We are on so Spotify you guys can listen to us. Um, Apple, iTunes, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, everyone. Every I don't day. even know how many there are, but all There's of the available platforms, Sophia and Fabian, have done a great job of getting us out to all of those platforms. So you can listen to Financial Success Show in the car. Mm -hmm. Although I, I think we're much prettier when you can watch us. I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> See ya. Educate yourself. Uh, <laughs> don't eat Greek food. <laughs> no, Greek food is fantastic. It was pretty good. Yeah, eat delicious. lots of Greek food. Yeah, it was Just delicious. Try not to belch into the microphone. That's that's really where that comes down to. So, on that note, uh, thank you, Kirky, for uh, sharing the millennial point of view. And we're gonna have to do this again. Welcome. Yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, well, no, it's it's interesting because I we come from two different generations. We, we understand things slightly different. And uh, me being in the middle, I don't understand the older generation as much either. But I certainly had more of a chance to be exposed to it. Mm -hmm. um, your your people's are a mystery to me. And uh, <laughs> I just don't feel nearly as cool when I talk to you or anybody under my age. Yeah. Okay. But uh, what I do know... Is that the best way to understand something is to uh, to find out about it? To you know, uh, what is it? Uh, fear uh, fear is a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. So understanding more about the way that millennials think and and the way that they were brought up because you were brought up in different financial times than most. I mean, you were born during a recession. Yeah. Though you don't remember it, nope. you, that affected the way that your parents brought you up. And then they brought you up out of a recession into some of the best financial times that have ever existed until a giant crash <laughs> happened again in 2008. Yep. And now coming on the horizon, I'm wondering if, uh, if millennials are, you know, kind of pre-ordained um, to understand that or if they're completely unaware of it. Um, I think we at split right down the middle. I think there's half of us that don't understand it and won't realize it and there's the other half that are uh, uh, going to be prepared for it and it's kind of funny the split right down the middle this is just my opinion and how I feel but I feel like the people that will be prepared for it 
were the people that brought up it with the mindset of looking outside the box for education and money and stuff like that the people that were born into money and you know did all right they're a little bit naive mm. that's where i think the divide is now that's just me um that's how i feel and how i assuming things will so you're saying entitlement uh, is going to base success in the near future uh yes <laughs> well, I well, mean, let's face it. I mean, it. not really. I don't. People that are entitled, feel entitled. I don't think will succeed. Um, the kids that don't feel entitled will succeed. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. Um, and that you know what? That's that's actually pretty prophetic, Kirk. That you said that because I do believe you know we hear the word entitlement sloshed yep. around a lot with the millennial mm -hmm. uh, classification. So. I think that that could prove to be a very prophetic statement that hey, you know what, entitlement's going to slap you upside the face when when, when yeah, it's something that times but get I, tough. I think it it's true. That's very interesting. I think it is true. Right? Well, time will and tell. Time will tell. I mean, a lot of people complain that millennials, oh, they feel entitled, and where there's smoke, there's fire. And I will agree that some millennials definitely feel entitled. So, oh yeah, we all see it. We've all we've all gone to Starbucks and had the guy that <laughs> oh, yeah. doesn't want to serve you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> like, if you master this one, you might have a shot at a better job, son. <laughs> <laughs> that and shave that mustache. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I think it's time for me to go home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I'm going to thank you once again for joining us, thank Kirk. You. As always, I mean, you don't really have a choice. It is your job. But at the same time, you've offered insights that uh, perhaps we didn't have before. Oh, I'm glad so I, I appreciate help. that. No and it's always nice to let you have a chance to talk on yeah. the show. <laughs> let me talk more often. Yeah. Can you not wear plaid next week? Uh, I'll try. <laughs> there is no try. <laughs> there is only do or do not. Yeah, Words yeah. of the great Yoda. Jedi Master Yoda. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we talk about before we go uh, of course we have New Year's Eve coming up on uh, Monday night holy yep. cow the uh, old year coming out and the new year coming in so happy new year to all our our viewers and of course any guests that we have coming up uh, speaking of guests the next one coming up um, I have somebody booked in right now uh, you still want to say surprised. his name in case yeah because <laughs> yeah. we've already had to reschedule it so I don't want to make any promises on air all right well let's work on getting that firmed up Kurt. it's firmed up i just uh gotta reconnect after the holidays so all right and of course we have our financial success evening which happens every tuesday night except for next tuesday night yes because we have uh of course new year's eve which we're closed uh our next meetup is on may 8th go to meetup.com may 8th sorry january, january 8th, 8th. There was an M in front of it. It was meetup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I looked quickly. Yeah, uh, January 8th is our next meetup. Of course, we have Hashim Chaudhry, our uh, resident tax expert, yes. our uh, technician of tax, our uh, assassin of tax accounting. ninja, as I like to call him. <laughs> I was going for alliteration there. Yeah, I'm a millennial. <laughs> Hashem will be talking about uh, <laughs> this coming tax season, getting prepared for it, uh, RSPs, do's and don'ts, mostly don'ts, mm -hmm. and <laughs> of course what you, you can expect in uh, this year's uh, uh, taxation period, the uh, uh, end of the tax season is always good for some and bad for others, but if you've living, been living the Blackthorn lifestyle, 
got your hey. HST number. It's going to be a real good season it for will you. Be. I'm excited. <laughs> uh, then, of course, we have our financial success, uh, financial success Summit coming up on January 19th. That's going to be a great day with, uh, of course, our CEO, Craig Dunkerley, uh, CEO of Digit Apparel, Claudia Harvey, and, of course, our broker of uh, Blackthorn Mortgages and Investing, Mr. Jonathan Tilger, talking mm-hmm. about the upcoming mortgage market. So lots of, lots of great stuff coming up in yeah, January. Yeah, it's going to be a busy month. Yeah, it is going to be a busy month. I'm glad we had a little time to rest. Me too. <laughs> Me too. So, as always, thank you for joining us on the Financial Success Show. I'm your host, Jeff Eady. My co-host... Mr. Platt himself, Kirk Forsyth, joining us today, talking <laughs> about the millennial experience in the market. Uh, keep your eye on the prize. Check out those markets. And thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week at 3 o'clock. Cheers.